It's this idea of Christ bringing a revolution, counter-revolution to, to society, governing mind of the world, punk rock. Uh, that the faith isn't as clean. What I mean by that is like the whole Ned Flanders version of Christianity. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ned Flanders vision of Christ. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you got to get a little, you got to get bigger. You got to get more cosmic. Mm-hmm. You got to get more mystical. You got to mm-hmm. get deeper. What is the meaning of my life? Not what is the, not what is the meaning of life mm-hmm. for everybody. Mm-hmm. Ask yourself, what is the meaning of my life? The cost of going deeper, darker forces, mysticism, the universe, and kind of mm-hmm. like a cosmic reality things, you know, kind of general new agey stuff. Cradle Orthodox. Being that I grew up Greek Orthodox. I just think it's important for a lot of the uh, Orthodox kids that grew up Orthodox to realize that maybe we have a uh, we don't have a good understanding of our faith. My dear friends, welcome to the study of stuff. My name is Mano Iliad. As always, thank you for joining me. This particular interview and episode is uh, pretty interesting for me. You know, my comeback to to the faith that I was raised in Greek Orthodox, Eastern Orthodoxy. Um, so it's a big deal for me. As I release this episode, I've uh, currently just recently released a track from my former band, The Drop Ups, called Noose. The interesting thing about that song is uh, that I wrote that song during my whole new age sort of stuff. The odd thing is that uh, when I started to look at the lyrics, it actually didn't read like a hermetic song. It didn't read like a song about hermeticism. It actually read like a song about Eastern Orthodoxy. If I replaced the word the all, which is commonly referred to in the Kabbalion, with the word God, and all of a sudden, the song was literally about noose from the Eastern Orthodox perspective. I sent it off to my church father just for confirmation to say like, am I crazy or is this whatever? And he's like, no, no, this reads like an Eastern Orthodox song. This is very, very much about noose in the Eastern Orthodox perspective. Anyways, if you like the sound of that track, go check it out soon. The video will be out. A lot of people have listened to the show that have asked me about uh, the New Age deception stuff and social engineering and culture creation. I've been really doing a deep dive on, on the work of John Coleman and Daniel Esselin. Up until about a year or two years ago, I was highly immersed for almost 20 years into like the New Age. Now, I didn't even refer to myself as New Age and I didn't even look at it as New Age. I looked at New Age as kind of like like surface level stuff, kind of like, like uh, oh my God, like yoga and crystals and like, oh my God, TikTok and I'm witchy, I'm into that. Naively enough, I didn't realize just because I was into like the deeper stuff, for me, it was hermeticism. I was deeply immersed into that. The Kabbalion, uh, which I'll be talking about in some future episodes, for over 20 years, like that was like my home. And I just wanted to make a, thing, a few things clear because I know a bunch of people are going to be like, oh my God, this guy, like he left the new age and he's like right into Jesus. That isn't the case. As I was digging deeper in the new age deception stuff, I started to uh, get go deeper and deeper down this rabbit hole of social engineering, culture creation, and new age deception. And I started to, to read a lot of the documents that were being presented in the book and kind of pulling out a lot of the white papers that, are, that they reference and looking at a lot of the history that they're talking about. I came to realize that a lot of the stuff that's in the new age and a lot of the key individuals that were behind the, uh, the, the beginning of the new age and putting the new age together were actually, in fact, uh, part of the social engineering experiment that the whole thing with Eastern Orthodox and how that kind of came into the picture I was really into hermeticism and stuff like that and I, the Kabbalion and then only to come to realize that really New Age is just a watered-down Gnostic hermeticist light 
That's all it is. I started seeing individuals that I really highly respected in the truth movement, the conspiracy world, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that world started making reference to being Eastern Orthodox. Key individuals was uh, was James Perloff and uh, Jay Dyer. Jay Dyer was a big one. Oh my God, they're talking about Eastern Orthodox. That's kind of weird. And I really respected these gentlemen and a, a, a number of others going into like the world of Eastern Orthodox really kind of stuck with me. And I, I wasn't really sure what to make of that. So I just kind of always kept that in the back of my mind. And I kind of every once in a while look into it. As I started to go down further and realize this whole new age deception was socially engineered and all this stuff, I started to kind of revisit and look at some of the stuff in Eastern Orthodoxy. I kind of found my way back home. Growing up as a kid, uh, you know, you said to someone that you're Orthodox, they're like, what are you, Jewish? Like, they didn't even know what it is. It's not really a common thing here in, Ca uh, in Canada and the U.S. or whatever. Not to say that you have to be Greek or whatever to be Orthodox. That's not what I mean. I'm just saying, like, people didn't even know what it was. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, Eastern Orthodox kids out there who also don't really have a full understanding of the faith that they think they know, that they think they understand. I always thought that the church was like, judgy, judgy, like they judge you and this and that, and then you go, you go to hell and all this stuff. The Eastern Orthodox Church isn't like that. Uh, even the concept of hell in the Eastern Orthodox Church is not what you think it is. It's not what I thought it was. One of the key things that twisted my mind was uh, understanding that this whole concept of judging good versus evil, hell, and all that stuff, that wasn't an, actually an Orthodox perspective. The Orthodox Church is viewed more as a, as a hospital, a hospice for the soul, for sick souls. A flash forward to uh, the last couple of years, uh, I, as I started to walk away from the New Age, and one of the key individuals that I came across was uh, Father Turbo Kowals. I could relate to Father Turbo Kowals. I really, really connected with, with his words. Man, he's so good. I love listening to him talk. The perfect father, I mean, in the priest way. He's like gentle, but stern and cuts through the noise at the same time. And then he drops these like these like nuggets of wisdom you're like whoa dude he got right got into my soul like gets me at the end like he says a couple things about my grandfather we talk a little bit about that and oh man he just just got me to this day i'm still thinking about it so father turbo koala's history is like uh you know ex-tattoo artist punk rock subculture guy you know, turned priest, iconographer, just an all-around amazing individual. Like, what a great priest. I mean, check out his his podcast, The Royal Path. You'll see exactly what I mean. Like, he just cuts right through the noise, and he gets to the meat and potatoes, and he does it in a great way, where he does it in, like, a way where it's how you would expect um, a priest to do it. But at the same time, there's there's he's got a kindness, but a, a reality to it. I'm excited to be talking more about, uh, about this journey and a lot of the the things that I'm kind of thinking of and figuring out. Uh, a lot of the subjects we touched upon, punk rock, rebellion, subculture, the occult. Uh, we talk about cradle orthodox. At the end, Father Turbo kind of reaches inside me and he kind of pulls something out. Uh, check all the links in the description to find out more about who Father Turbo is. Do the like, subscribe thing, I hate saying that. But in this case, I mean it because I'll be putting out a lot more content like this. In the future, uh, we'll be discussing a lot of the stuff Check out this episode, and uh, I'll see you guys soon. Love y'all. Bye. All right, and we are live, and we have a special guest today. I know I always say that, but uh, for me, this is a very, uh, very interesting episode. It's the very first episode where I'm actually going to be speaking about um, the faith that I have found myself back at. I was born Greek Orthodox, and um, I have the pleasure of having uh, one of the most influential individuals out there in the uh, Orthodox internet community, if you want to call it that. But uh, Father Turbo Kowals, thank you for uh, joining me today. And I really do appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to do this. 
Oh, it's my joy to be with you. I, I appreciate it. It's good. It's good to be with you. So um, I, I figured because uh, we have a few things in common, and one of the things we have in common is we both like to go off on tangents and and kind of just like do that uh, that sort of thing. We're also uh, musicians, so um, I kind of looking at this as kind of like a like free jam. So I kind of want to sure. have a little bit of a free jam with you, Father. So I'm going to kind of set it up and then let you kind of do with your thing. You know what I mean? Do the the bass player thing, sit in the pocket and roll. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, so we have, a. Th- there was a couple of, uh, guests I had in mind to start this conversation with, and you definitely were on the top of my list being that, uh, you're a musician, uh, you come from the same sort of subculture that I kind of came from, uh, nineties punk, um, uh, Toronto for myself, uh, you're in orange, orange County. Uh, I've heard you speak a couple of times. You named more than a few bands I'm really into. So I kind of, uh, and I remember when I first heard you speaking and you started talking about punk music and I'm, I'm pretty sure it was, um, on a counterflow with uh, with Buck Johnson, and mm. I, I remember pausing, like, what, "What did he just say? Did he just say Crow Mags?" So, <laughs> so that kind of that kind of caught me off guard. Um, so that was one of the reasons. The other reason is that we also have a similar uh, background in the the occult, esoteric mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Um, and uh, I figured there'd be no better guest than yourself to kind of help introduce my audience to the subject that I've been getting a lot of questions about, which is Orthodox Christianity. Uh, And um, there's like three main areas I kind of want to focus on. One is a little bit of uh, your, I I want uh, your story. Like I definitely want to hear your story because your story is very powerful. And I know a lot of my audience will relate. Um, And um, a lot of the the ex-punks that I grew up with, in the scene have started asking me a lot of questions uh, based on the death to the world stuff I've been posting. Um, and uh, so that's one area. The other area is uh, a little bit on the new age and maybe that'll be a, a, a conversation at a l- later time because it's a deep conversation. Um, but also uh, the cradle Orthodox being that I grew up Greek Orthodox. Uh, it was a major part of our, our upbringing, um, Greeks, Serbians, Russians that I grew up with, and I grew up with a lot of them. But for us, Orthodoxy was kind of more of like um, like an ethnic, cultural thing. Not to say that we didn't believe or didn't attend church. We did, but we didn't really take it as serious as I do now that I've kind of found my way back. Um, and one particular thing was that I, did, I hadn't realized that I had a, a very limited understanding of what it meant to be orthodox i had preconceived notions of of the faith and a lot of those deterred me and actually pushed me away from the faith and they were really my my misconception of, of my own faith um example would be uh the concept of hell uh i had this belief that it was very much like a judgment uh you know you're judged and you go to this fire burning place and when i heard uh, a few uh, orthodox priests refer to the orthodox church as a hospice and a hospital for, for broken souls, it really changed how I viewed the faith. So um, not to go off too far, uh, I, I, I just think it's important for a lot of the, uh, the uh, Orthodox kids that grew up Orthodox to realize that maybe we, have a, uh, we don't have a good understanding of our faith. And a lot of our pride is applied to that, especially for Greeks and Serbs. Uh, understandably so, we spent 400, 500 years under Ottoman rule. So of course, that's going to build some of that. Um, but anyways, um, I'll leave it to you to kind of steer from there, but I believe your story is actually extremely helpful and will help a lot of individuals understand, uh, that the faith isn't as clean as it was viewed like, um, 
what I mean by that is like the whole Ned Flanders version of Christianity. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and I was I was listening to uh, Father Valdez uh, speaking, um, uh, reading from uh, Death from, from Death to the World, and he was mm-hmm. describing it as uh, as like dirty, real. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't want a plastic Jesus, and it reminded me of uh, Bad Religion, American Jesus. Yeah. And uh, anyways, I'll stop jabbering and uh, I'll leave it to you to kind of go from there, my friend. No, I mean, it's all really helpful. Um, I guess the first place to start is um, with Christ. And something that I've been meditating on the last couple of days and um, something I talked about actually last night did... You know, we have uh, we have our own podcast, right? So we did, we recorded last night, and I was talking about this this um, this thing that's been kind of running in my head for a while, which is <clears throat> excuse me, like the bigger context of Christ mm-hmm. in regards of not just Christ who we um, engage with as God, but Christ who changed the world, right? Um, and I'm gonna, excuse me. I'm going to say something that I think, in this context, for your audience, will be appropriate. Mm-hmm. But in other contexts, you know, they'll kind of frown upon what I'm going to say. But I don't really care. You know, just I'm just going to say it, right? Please do. <clears throat> but it's this idea of Christ bringing uh, a revolution. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, Christ being uh, uh, bringing a counter revolution to to society, to the kind of governing um, the governing mind of the world. Because if you start thinking about how the world runs, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter um, what time period you're talking about before Christ. You know, it doesn't really matter what time period, what nation. There's just certain things that human beings have been running on. You know what I mean? excuse me, and Christ comes and he changes all of that. And that I think is at the root of what everyone's heart is now longing for when they're honest. Yes. So what am I talking about? Punk rock. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh I'm talking about if you really break it down, because the world is so, the world's so different now. And I never thought, you know, I was talking with a lady yesterday at AAA. I did get um, some like international driver's license, whatever. And, um, you know, I was telling her, it's like, you know, I had to take a picture and everything. And I looked at myself, I was like, man, I'm old, you know? <laughs> and, and I remember, you know, I, I still feel like I'm 24 inside. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, and I remember my dad telling me, he's like, man, you're going to get to a place where you just, you can feel like you're 23, but you're going to be, you know, 53, whatever. And, um, and that's all important because there's people who were kind of like dip their toe in the scene. Yes. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, and then there's people, it's like, it was our culture. It was our tribe. Yep. And so it is my tribe. It is my culture. It isn't something like, Oh, that's what I did when I was, you know, a teenager. Like, no, 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 no. Like that was my culture. Right. Yep. yep. That, that it, it's the thing that had just as much influence, if not more so in regards to forming my worldview and forming how I saw the world. Is this, you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, you know, um, 
do you have people, they may be looking to, you know, different kind of influences, you know, some people look to John Wayne, you know, some people look to Ronald Reagan, you know? Yeah. Um, but see, to me, the people I was looking to, they wrote songs about John Wayne, you know, and they wrote yeah. songs, MDC, you know, and yeah. they wrote oh, yeah. songs about Ronald Reagan, like every UK 82 punk band wrote about, you know, uh, Ronald Reagan. Absolutely. So like, I say all that because that wasn't just kind of like a rebellion. It, it was, it was my way of, of thinking. Mm-hmm. It was, it's the people who I connected with. We understood each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because as time went on and things changed, it's like we didn't ditch the scene and everything just because it wasn't cool anymore or because we had to get a job or grow up. It, it still, it determined what I did for a living, you know, like, why did I end up, you know, I was, I was a tattoo artist for 25 years before becoming a priest. You know what I mean? Why did I do that? And, and, and here's the thing, people, people can forget, or they may not even know we're talking about two different worlds. Like something happened in the um, early two thousands that kind of really changed everything. And, and the, the subculture got exposed to the broader culture and it watered it down. Yes. Yes. So I, I think this is very important to talk about because for some people who aren't familiar with the subculture in the context that we're talking about, it can just seem like, man, you're giving a lot of credence to something that's kind of cheesy. It's like, is that the stuff I see in hop topic or, or whatever? But it's like, when you understand that, people who are disaffected, who are, who are disenfranchised from the world, you know, who they saw, which that includes us who saw the world in a way that it's being fake, hollow plastic, yep. um, definitely unjust, yep. you know what I mean? And, and really not seeing any real way out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. That that's the context. I think that people, you need, if you want to understand me, that's what you need to understand. Absolutely. Is that that's the context in which I, I grew up. And so, I mean, it's, it's just layers, right? And this is just my personal story. This is my personal experience, but I think what you'll find is, you know, as we go on the story, my personal experiences connect with yours. And obviously, hopefully some people will resonate with what I have to say too. And that's also Christ. Yes. Because, one thing's like you have to understand in order to kind of get the meta of our conversation, you got to move out of the Ned Flanders vision of Christ. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you got to get a little, you got to get bigger. You got to get more cosmic. Mm-hmm. You got to get more mystical. You got to mm-hmm. get deeper. Right. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 the trick is you can't get so mystical and cosmic to where it just becomes, you know, like nothing like water. Right. right. Because as you know, it's like, I gra- well, I gravitated towards certain things for a reason. You know what I mean? There's a reason why certain bands didn't do anything for me while other ones did. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, it wasn't just like, Oh, I just listened to this. It's like, no, nah, I listen to particular things because something in what they're saying and how they, and how they said it resonated. Mm-hmm. There was, there was an honesty, mm-hmm. right. That's always kind of like the litmus for me. So I grew up, you know, in the eighties and nineties, late eighties, early nineties in Orange County. Um, And 
just kind of being, you know, uh, a minority um, on like on all the levels in Orange County, um, trying to find a place to not just fit in, but also a place to kind of understand life. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so my older sister, she, she's the one who got me into the scene. Um, and you know, she taught me that it wasn't just about, you know, kind of dressing a certain way, but it was a movement in a way of kind of like understanding stuff. So, um, even growing up early on listening to stuff like the clash and really kind of like trying to hear what they were saying, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, all that like had a huge impression on me. Um, but I mean, if you just think about what the late eighties, early nineties was, it was like, there's all kinds of stuff going on. I mean, subculture, um, it's weird because subculture now is this weird homogenized thing where it's all just kind of like bled together in a way where it's, it's just, it's kind of hard to distinguish it. And back then, subculture was nowhere it was a subculture and so people um goths and hessians we called metalheads hessians back in the day right i remember yeah yeah so like goths and hessians and punks and skinheads and you know guys in the hardcore scene yeah they would all kind of like gravitate the same place like on campus let's say you know what i mean all the bad kids smoking but there was a kind of like segregation there in the sense of like, you know, um, where I was at the punks and the goths, you know, hung out, but not so much with the metalheads and this and that. And the reason why I'm saying all this is because when you realize that that kind of common denominator of not, um, not fitting in, yep, it, it united us. But at the same time, everyone had their degree, right? So it's like, and this may sound like boring to everyone, but it'll go somewhere, I hope. Um, No, no, everyone's going to love this. Don't worry, keep going. You know, like for us in our context, we looked at like the Hessians Mm -hmm. eh, because heavy metal at that time was what was way more, um, it wasn't mainstream, but it's definitely more mainstream than like, you know, hardcore punk Absolutely. goth, you see what I'm saying? So Absolutely. the deeper you went into something, the more you were less to want to hang out with the people who like were closer to like the normies, you know what I'm saying? True. Very true. And so that kind of ethos, which was what's hardcore, uh-huh. like not just like hardcore, like, you know, the kind of metal punk fusion, it, you know, bad brains, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, but like who's really down for what? Yeah. Like, like, what do you, what are you really about? And so, you know, there's a political aspect to that, mm-hmm. right? There's mm-hmm. a political aspect to it. And sometimes there was a spiritual aspect to it. I mean, yep. there was the goths who were like, oh, they just, the dudes who wanted to look like Robert Smith or Peter Murphy and they wanted the hot goth girls. That's one thing, <laughs> right? I remember that. <laughs> right. But, but there was the ones who were like really playing around with yep. some of the stuff. Right? Yeah, like you like know. bad brains, uh, positive mindset, like PMS. PMA, yeah, right. Like, there's people who are really getting into it, and even getting into stuff like Shelter. Like, if you mm-hmm. like Shelter, uh, Ray Capel's band after Youth of Today, you know they're into the High Krishna thing. Yeah, so there's people who are like, okay, what's this really about? You know what I'm saying? Or people even being into like bad brains and being like, okay, what's Rasta about? Anyways, yep. 
I, I say all that to say that people had, people made the mistake, teachers, the jocks, they made the mistake of just thinking it was all about us smoking cigarettes and trying to be weird. But what a lot of us were doing was looking for something. We were looking mm-hmm. for truth insofar as we could understand it. Yep. Right? Absolutely. And, and wanting something that didn't co-sign the baggage and the BS and the falsehood that we saw everywhere else. Cause if something began to co-sign it, you already knew that it was no good. You know what I'm right. saying? Yep. 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 So when you don't have the faculties to kind of discern what that's going to be, you just want to dip your toe into everything. And I think that's where I found myself. Um, and so, you know, I can talk about everything from, you know, um, the various subgenres you know, death rock, gothic stuff, punk, skinhead, but even getting into like stuff like, you know, the occult and D and D and like mm-hmm. yeah. all the stuff that was in, in the air at that time. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. What is the thread? The thread was wanting something deeper. Yes. Yes. And subculture gay honed my, my palette honed my palette for aesthetics Mm-hmm. Or like having an eye for something that, you know, I mean, some people, they make the mistake of thinking that the aesthetics of a, of a community of an expression don't matter, but it does. Absolutely. It, Absolutely. it totally does. You yep. know what I mean? So, um, for me, you know, I, it never crossed my mind looking at, you know, the kind of sentimental Roman Catholic paintings from mm-hmm. like, the 16th century, 17th century, it, it, didn't, it didn't do anything for me, you know? Me too. My first time seeing an icon. Mm. And that's really where my story begins in regard to orthodoxy was, you know, I had grown up, I'd gone through all the stages, you know, I was in all, you know, punk rock, the skinhead scene, mod scene for a little bit, rock and roll, hedonism, just going throughout the whole thing, you know, getting to like 77 punk and yep. the kind of glam scene, all that stuff, New York dolls and like really hitting a kind of like, man, it's just everything. I, I would hit, I would hit the foundation of it and I'd be like, this ain't it. What's next? Yep. This ain't it. What's next? Yep. You know? Um, and so eventually it got me to this place where, you know, I started really getting into um, the occult. And I, I say the occult in the true sense of, you know, um, occult for a lot of times for people just is like a misnomer for like bad stuff, but it's like things that are hidden. Yes. They right. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to see these things that were underneath the surface. You know what I mean? And it's yep. like, okay, yeah, for like a lot of people, it's like, okay, is is what Danzig's talking about? Does he really believe it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, does yeah. he really believe this? You know, um, just things like that. And it starts off very kind of innocent and innocuous. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, is if you just go a little bit further, what you'll find is okay, yeah, there's something here. Yes. And, and everyone who's, who's tried anything, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Yep, absolutely. It doesn't take much. No, it's instant gratification. It's instant gratification and, and it's an instant. Wow. Yes. This is, yes. this is real. What is yes. this? Right. So that is where I found myself for, for quite a few years and just getting progressively deeper into that, you know, and into, into the kind of like standard traditions that you would find yourself, you know, 
playing around with uh, Thelema, you know, mm-hmm. and not getting magic and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I, I think the thing that's really key here is coming to a place by God's mercy where when the, the bill came a little sooner for me than maybe some other people in regards of collecting. Yeah. Because the cost of going deeper um, with basically darker forces. And what I mean by that is moving from general things of like, you know, mysticism and like um, the universe and kind of mm-hmm. like a cosmic reality things, you know, kind of general new agey stuff yep. and getting more specific to the point of being very intentional, like the left-hand path and like mm-hmm. pursuing things of darkness. Like yep. the bill came pretty quick for me. And, and thank God, because that is the thing that really opened my my eyes, um, if you will, to where I was really at and the nature of things, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so by that time, I was, you know, I was tattooing um, and I was, you know, playing in bands at that time. Um, and, you know, my life was given over to the lifestyle, you know? Yep. Um, but the people, but the, the people around me, they, they weren't really understanding what was happening with me. And a lot of people just thought, Oh, too much psychedelics. You know, he's just kind of like melting down. Um, but they couldn't explain some of the phenomena that was happening around. And I, I think that reality being in a space where, you know, you don't know exactly what's happening, but you know that it's real and you know, other people know that it's real, but they don't want to acknowledge it. See, that tension is something that I just chose to not run from. And I keep bringing that up because by the time I encountered Christ and orthodoxy, I was already prepared to not worry about what other people think. I, I didn't, it didn't really matter how, what people thought how they saw. It's like, what is true? Yep. And, you know, can I, can I get there? Right. And that, that's kind of part of that hardcore ethos. It's like, can I hang? Can I, can I go down that rabbit hole? Is that, is that making sense what I'm saying? You know, Oh, I'm feeling it right now. I get it. So this is all the kind of stuff that I think you got to understand because um, when we talk about orthodoxy, it isn't about, you know, kind of going just through like the movements of something. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, it's about having an inner fortitude and an inner disposition mm-hmm. because I'm just going to jump right into it. The thing that I was looking for, the thing that you were looking for, the thing I, I would say everyone's looking for is actually Christ. But the problem is, is it's not the Christ that you think. Yep. That's it. Right. It's not the Christ that you think and the Christ that you're really looking for uh, he can be a cold dude. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? I he, do. And, and it, you have to be prepared to really stand in that, in that light. Yep. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, because, because all of the, um, all of the falsehood is revealed really quick. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of the things about when you come out of subculture there's this part of you that realizes, you know, especially as you just, just as you get older, maybe you get married, you have striving kids, you start realizing like, you know, what I've taken from my experience, you know, it's formed me and I'm thankful for it. But you realize there's, there's a lot of, 
there's a lot of baggage there too. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you try mm-hmm. to find a way to reconcile yourself. And this is where you see some people sometimes they're holding on a little too long. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. And, 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 and my heart goes out to them um, because I know they're still searching and they're holding on, they're holding on to things that they understand. But I know that deep down inside, they know that it, it only has so long of a shelf life. Very true. Does, Very that, true. does that make sense what I'm saying? Uh, fully, completely. I uh, totally understand. And it's, it's funny because you, you, you mentioned something that I, uh, the truth, like that was one of the entry points for me, both from, uh, from like getting into to subculture, looking for that, what is true, what isn't true, uh, you know, that illusion that you see in society. And that's also, uh, I've heard it from many people in the, uh, in the quote unquote online Orthodox community saying that, uh, if you keep digging through truth, the bottom of the truth, you'll always end up back at Christ. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for me, I could totally relate to everything you just said. It, it's, it, it's, um, it's very like you hit it right on the nose. And I know a lot of people that I've been communicating with recently have been feeling the same thing after the last couple of years, especially, you know, especially because of that. Yeah. And, and I think this is one of the things, you know, um, it's kind of crazy because the last couple of years is really key for a lot of people. Yes. Yep. And I really resonate with that because um, part of my experience was, um, you know, I was under just the strongest of delusions mm-hmm. and the spirits that I were, com- that I was communing with, they, they would tell me all kinds of different, you know, just delusional lies. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I began to realize is like when I began to actually encounter manifestations, right? Like objective manifestations, not when I'm talking about objective manifestations, um, I'm talking about sober, Mm -hmm. um, other witnesses who they don't know per se that it's a quote unquote spirit, but they're Mm -hmm. like something, something odd and uncomfortable is happening. That's what I mean by objective, right? Like objective phenomena. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't a heavy, it wasn't a Sabbath cover. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like it wasn't, it wasn't cool. Like earth AD. It wasn't like, yeah, yeah. Oh, this isn't this. No, no, no. What is this? This, when yeah. you actually encounter <clears throat> when, when evil by God's grace, and that's what you, this is what I'm trying to get at. It's God's mercy that, that actually peels away the mask Yes. and the seduction the seduction of the darkness is just gone. Even for a second, it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Oh, this is not what I thought it was. Exactly. That's what happened in 20. Okay. And I think, I think the last three years have been a time where people's eyes are being like, something is, yep. Something's in the world. Something's off yes. more than just kind of like usual. Does this right? So I really resonate with where a lot of people are like, yeah, the world is, not only is the, like, I've always thought the, you know, the someone saying, I've always thought the world was messed up, mm-hmm. but I never realized that something evil is in the world. And it's not, it's not cool. Yep. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. It's, yep. Not, yep. it's not, it's not something I want to get behind. Absolutely. That on a micro scale, on a personal scale, that's what happened on a personal level and experience. That's what happened to me. Mm-hmm. The fathers, um, certain fathers, they'll talk about, um, you know, the demons are the one who taught me how to pray. Yeah. 
Yes. Right. Yes, yes, yes. I feel and, that. And so that, I think that's another way to kind of explain um, definitely like my experience. And that's how I would explain the last three years for a lot of people is that the awareness of demonic forces and, and a demon, not just being that kind of like, you know, pitchfork bat wing dude on the corner of your shoulder saying like, Hey, eat that extra Twinkie. Hey, <laughs> you know, yeah, whatever. It's like terror, you know, uh-huh. it's something that, that, um, is doing things that we didn't think would be possible. Something beyond just normal human stupidity or cruelty. Yes. Yes. That's what's opening people up to, to want to see the true Christ, not, not the Christ of like, you know, the televangelists and the bad coffee shop, you know, forgive me, no offense to anybody, but the bad coffee shop churches where it's like the guy he's not really going there for truth. You know what I mean? The the pastor on the stage, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I think a lot of people, especially in the context of coming out soul culture kind of see through that. Yeah. And it turns them off. There's a lot of work to be done when you're, uh, when you participate in the Orthodox faith, it's, it's not, uh, it's not like you just can sit there and just be a bystander. You have to actually participate in your own, in your own healing, uh, the wanting, but then there's also like, uh, a lot of the rituals and practices. It's not easy. It's not easy at all. And, uh, it's, uh, like I thought I knew growing up in the faith and I was, I was, I was pretty, I thought I was pretty faithful up until about grade seven or so. But now when I fast now, when I try to like pray, when I, when I don't want to pray or, or when I just want to constantly throughout the day, have my mind there or something pops in my mind, like the devil you're referring to. Uh, sometimes we view him as a, as a, as a cartoon character. Uh, yeah. And then uh, oftentimes kind of, he comes as a cartoon character as like a little whisper of an idea or of a thought. And then yeah. trying to like, bat that away uh it's it's a challenge and i I know uh, other friends of mine who are in um other denominations uh their view of and i'm not trying to take any shots or whatever but their view is a little bit more uh like watching a television show like watching an entertainment thing and you're you're christian on sunday and then the rest of the week you just kind of build to to that sunday you know what i'm saying and i know that that is not an option here that is not an option no. And I mean, that's linking back to the, why subculture was so important. Why? I mean, why I often do talk about subculture because it's that, it's that ethos of, no, this isn't, it's not a costume, man. I, right. I'm not a weekend warrior. Right. You know right. what I mean? Right. This right. Is, and, and that's the thing is if you're, if you, if you're interested in orthodoxy and if you're approaching it, I would just say that's the, that's the only way to approach it because yes. It's it's too tough. <laughs> Otherwise, you know what I mean. Absolutely. Uh, this is. Oh, I'm sorry. I just want to say real quick. This absolutely. is this is the this is the thing about um. You know, we have and there's this. I'll grab it right here. Um, this icon here. Um. Mm-hmm. This is uh, called like a Pantocrator icon. And you can see it in different ways. You know, this is just a designed a certain way. Yes. But in this icon, you know, and this is the, the quote unquote archetype or pose you'd see in most Orthodox churches on the iconostas in the front of the church, right? Yes. But here uh, you have Christ holding the gospel or the law. Mm-hmm. And then here you have his hand blessing, right? Okay. Yes. So I've like, I've explained to people this is Christ. And what a lot of people have, they have someone who's tried to cut Christ in half or some, some denominations, they just want nothing but the law. 
mm-hmm. judgment, mm-hmm. hellfire and brimstone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? God hates you, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But then a lot of people they've encountered nothing. They just want the blessing. Mm-hmm. And they want like, oh, Jesus is my best friend. Mm-hmm. Everything goes. There's no yep. problem. And they're both wrong. Yes, yes. They're both wrong. And it's it's orthodoxy is about encountering Christ as he is, not as how you want him to be. Yep. And so it's the two together. It's the blessing and the law. And I think that's something that we all resonate to because anybody who's done anything, whether it's, you know, making art, being a musician, anything, there's hard work that that's involved in there. And there's, um, there's boundaries and, mm-hmm. and we want those boundaries. Mm-hmm. They help us to, to understand and experience like what something is, you know? So anyways, I just want to throw that out there. What were you going to say? No, no, that, that's, that's beautiful. It kind of uh, flows nicely to uh, what I was going to say uh, next was, uh, I've heard you speak a lot about being humble and being humbled by the experience. And I can uh, very much relate to that. Uh, I'm not a humble person. Uh, I have quite the ego and I'm trying to deal with that in the process and actually coming back to uh, returning back to orthodoxy has been an extremely humbling experience um, from on many reasons. Cause I remember the first time I kind of started thinking about it was around 2014, between 2014 and 17, I heard uh, in Greek, we call him Xeni, like a non-Greek. It's not an insult. It just means yeah, a stranger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I remember hearing Jay Dyer speaking of, he says, East, he says Eastern Orthodox. I said, what? Like, like, Orthodox, like that, that kind of mm. caught me off guard. And then I heard like uh, James Perloff and a few other name uh, individuals, just like they're Xeni. And I'm like, are they, are they Greek? Are they Russian? Are they Serbian? Are they, you know what I mean? I, and yeah. it didn't make sense to me. And then uh, around 2019, I started to kind of really uh, think about it and kind of start looking a little bit further. And I started to encounter a lot of young guys like David Patrick Harry or, or Kyle the Orthodox. So now I'm I'm uh, I'm 45 years old. So my ego has to sit in the back seat here because I have these. And, and my my first view is like, who who are these Xani talking about orthodoxy? Like that was my first in, uh, thought. And then I was like, I heard them speak, and I'm like, okay, they know way more than I do about this. And then mm-hmm. they're young, and I'm like, oh, you know, 33, and the other guy's 29. I'm like, who are these kids? They don't. And then I had to stop myself and go, wait a minute, you actually don't know what you're talking about. They mm-hmm. do. Sit down and listen. So, yeah. for, both from like a, a Greek perspective and from my age, I mm-hmm. had to like really take a back seat. And then in the last mm-hmm. little while, that's kicked me in the butt like quite a bit. So even preparing for to talk to you, I I was like, no, you just got to sit in the back seat here. You know, you don't know what yeah. you're talking about. You have zero clue what you're referring yeah. to. So there was like concepts that were being thrown around that I I'd never heard. Like uh, logos, I, of course I've, I've heard logos, but logos logi, like the the energy, uh-huh. all all of that stuff. Uh, noose, the the it was a totally different way of viewing the, the, what noose was. I was looking at it from an Aristotle perspective, right. and then the concept of noose and like, oh, that they're talking about the third eye, but inverted, uh-huh. like the, right. it's, it, everything's an inversion. Right. And then it started to to really take apart what I thought I knew, you know, and. The, the the heart based uh, prayer of, uh, mm-hmm. with the philokalia and such like it it started to really make me um, realize how little I actually know and how much I had to stop talking. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, yeah, you're in the best. You're actually in the best spot possible. I hope because instead of having um. This place where you where you find yourself is really important. I mean, I think people forget 
the apostles, they had to leave everything. Mm. Like, you know, the apostles didn't become Christians. They were Jews. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this idea of Gentiles coming in was just people don't understand how revolutionary that was. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like yeah. people don't really understand that. Um, but it was in fact the Gentiles coming in is what I think brought a lot of the quote unquote Jews to a deeper place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's humbling. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Um, and it's Christ because Christ is both, you know, the, uh, He's the outsider, and he's also the one from within. And mm-hmm. this is the power of it, is that, you know, the the narrative, the meta-narrative that Christ presents is one that has room for everyone. And mm-hmm. not a, I don't mean that in a kumbaya way, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, you know, part of the thing is I do well— and the reason why I'm, you know, one of the biggest honors for, for me is that I have cradles who not only accept me, but they, they defer to me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I lean into that, meaning I'm humbled, mm-hmm. right? And I recognize that I'm a guest mm-hmm. that's being grafted in, you know what I'm saying? I never, I never lose sight of that. I don't lose sight of my, you know, me being kind of an outsider is part of how I get on the inside. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what happens is for a lot of people, when they start approaching orthodoxy, you know, they all of a sudden you you get these people that want to act like they're Russian or Greek or whatever. And they they like, it's like, no, man, you know, um, I have the benefit of, I couldn't get in. I couldn't fake it even if I wanted to. You know what, you know what I mean? I do. So, so because of that, it's just like, I just got to be who I'm supposed to be. But that's what orthodoxy is about. Yes. It's about being who you're meant to be authentically. Yes. yes. If you try to be something other than how you're designed to be, you're going to be missing it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I do. You got to lean into that otherness. You got to lean into being Xenia or Xenia. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and, and it's in that that you begin to actually encounter um, life. Because let me let me throw something out there, whatever. It's just yeah. tough because I, I don't want anyone to feel like I'm preaching. I'm just sharing my experience. You know no, what I mean? please do. But like, you know, um, there was an expression back in the day. I hate to use it, whatever, but it makes sense. Like in the, in the skinhead culture, and I... I, hopefully your audience understands like skin and culture is a lot bigger than neo-Nazi stuff. It's like Scott, yeah. like oil and all that stuff. But there was a foreskin song called clockwork skinhead. And it was this idea of the guy who was like, he was a mod one day. He's a punk one day. He's a rude boy one day, you know, and just kind of like cycling through all the, all the different kind of facets of, of the subculture. Right. Well, I think people can have that happen when they start approaching just kind of spiritual life in general. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm going to do mm-hmm. yoga. I'm going to mm-hmm. do whatever. And then even when they kind of get past that and they find Christ, okay, you know, I'm, I'm circling around evangelicalism, whatever, non-denominational. And then they get to like traditional church and it's like, okay, you know, Catholic, Orthodox, blah, blah. But even when someone finds their way in, the, in towards orthodoxy, there can be a real temptation to want to take on an affect, do you know what I'm saying? By an affect. Yeah. yeah. And like, I get it. 
you got to spend your time learning the language of the of of the of the culture, right? Meaning, mm-hmm. how do you do your bows? How do you make your cross? Like that, that's fine. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But there comes a point where you got to move past that, and the way to move past that is understanding what Christ wants is to integrate me into into a whole being. In other words, my mind and my heart shouldn't be operating on two different frequencies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. What, what do you mean your mind and your heart? Well, if you think about how sometimes as people, we have a vision of how we want our life to be mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll do everything we can to pursue that life. Mm-hmm. But if you can imagine how maybe times in your life where your heart isn't in it, you know, it's yeah. like that guy who, who gets into pickup culture and, he, and he, you know what I mean? And he gets into it. Cause it's like, maybe he was like bullied as a kid or whatever he wants. He just wants to feel good about himself. But as he starts going through it, it's like, his heart's not in it. Cause he's really, he knows this isn't right. You know, yep. does it make yep. sense? What I'm saying you can just, absolutely. it's the same thing. Like when you come into it, it's like, people want to be hyper correct. They want to learn all the things I got to yep. know everything. I got to do everything just right. Yep. I just want to encourage people if that's, you know, it's good to just get through that phase real quick. Because yep. what it's about is having your heart and your mind lined up to where you aren't living like a, like you're not being hypocritical, mm-hmm. right? You're not living mm-hmm. this kind of like double standard life, you're, mm-hmm. but you're actually just being humble and realizing like, honestly, what is the meaning of my life? Not what is the, not what is the meaning of life mm-hmm. for everybody? Mm-hmm. Ask yourself, what is the meaning of my life? Right. Because if you ask, because the thing is, if you're asking the meaning of life for everyone else, you're going to miss it, right? Absolutely. Because it's like you're worried about what everyone else is doing. That's vainglory, as we say in the tradition. And it's like you, you get caught up in like, how, how can I mold myself to make this group of people think I'm with it or whatever? That's, that's, you're missing it. But if you ask, what is the meaning of my life? Mm-hmm. Now, that's a, that's a question Christ not only can, but mm-hmm. wants to answer he wants to answer that for you mm-hmm. right because i think i think if anyone finds my rambling and incoherence um if they find anything interesting in it i think what they what people recognize in me is they see someone who's authentically okay in his own skin yeah does Very that do, do you feel what i'm saying I've already been there, done that. And that sense of not in a proud way, but it's like, I am who I am and I lean into it. Uh Right. I'm not trying to be a Serbian. I'm not trying to be, uh, I'm not trying to be anything. (laughs) Like that's the thing is like, I'm not trying to come off as like, I'm father turbo. And uh, you know what I mean? I'm not, ah, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm crude. I talk about stuff. People think is like, but this is who I am. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This is, this is who I am. And, and I know from experience, this is what Christ wants out of all of us, just for us to be who we are. Does that mean like, you know, come as you are like, yeah, but God loves you enough not to keep you there. Mm. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you know, God, God, he can save the sinner. You really are not the same. Mm-hmm. You're pretending to be so. Ooh. Okay. 
you know, yep. this whole thing of people want to pretend to be like, you know, pious and good. And I, don't uh-huh. do that. I think that's one of the attractive things about orthodoxy is like, there's so many saints that are a mess. Yes. That yes. were, that were, you know, St. Moses, the black, he was, a, yes. he was, a, he was a robber and a murderer. St. Mary of Egypt. She was yep. worse than a prostitute. You know what I'm saying? Yep. You find these people that did not live perfect lives. Mm-hmm. Lean into that a bit more. I, that, those are great. I, yeah. Yeah. This is, I mean, this is the thing. St. Cyprian uh-huh. uh, of Antioch, he was a sorcerer. Yeah. Like he literally was a sorcerer who was yeah. trying to use demonic powers to basically molest this virgin girl. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, this reality that God is looking and how has, <laughs> it sounds like a cliche, but God did come for the sick and the broken, mm-hmm. which that's mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Me I mean, sick yep. and broken. Yep. And you can't be, you can't be healed of something that you, that you can't acknowledge that you won't acknowledge it because right. you'll always be hiding it. You'll always be covering it. Right. But when you come into that space of saying like, okay, I acknowledge this is where I'm broken. This is where I'm busted. This is where like, I've been trying to keep it together to have people think a certain way about me. I think I'm tired of that. Mm. That's the space where I'm going to say this too. Christ moves out of an archetype or a mythological figure mm-hmm. into the living God. And that's, that's the key thing here is people struggle with encountering Christ in the heart. They can, they can get behind Christ in the intellectual way. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a lot of people find their way through Jordan Peterson. You know what I mean? Right. Which, which is great. Uh, because he he's giving a psychological sociological um, way of understanding Christianity and the things of Christianity, which is totally great. But like, there's something, or I should say, someone beyond that, and that's that's getting into the. In order to understand what I'm talking about, you have to get into the heart. But in order to get into the heart you have to be honest about who you are. So your ego and these things that are even sometimes shameful, if you're trying to con- like constantly bury them, you're going to struggle because it's only in that acknowledgement of what's really going on with you that these mystical spiritual um, moments of connecting with God, with Christ, with the divine, whatever, they're only really possible in that sphere because anything else is delusion. And I think that's a big part of this. Like if you've gone this far, it's like, who wants to be deluded? Who wants to have something that isn't based on truth? Getting back to the first part of our conversation. You know what I mean? Oh, you're muted. Can you hear me? Now I can. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I was saying the the denial of what is. Uh, that seems to be a a, a very uh, a big thing nowadays. Whether we're talking about uh, gender issues or or God, the devil, uh, you know, whatever, all this stuff. And I do find that that uh, what you said to be very very poignant. That if you can't within yourself see the flaws or issues, how could you possibly ask for from for healing from from Christ and and the church itself and uh, I think what you just said there, that's a, it's a really good, uh, yeah, I really like what you said there. It's a, it's very powerful and I'm, I'm sure it, uh, it's going to connect with a lot of people. I know we're getting close to the end and I want to definitely respect your time. So I just uh, wanted to um, 
uh, actually share with you a, f- uh, a few people sent me a few people that you had a direct um, effect on uh, sent me a message. Is it okay if I read it to you? Sure. Okay. So Some hate mail, huh? No, the opposite. <laughs> We used to work with this uh, with this girl. Her name is Anissa. We worked in this hyper uh, woke company called Lush, and uh, we experienced some interesting things at, uh, at that place. So um, I told her I was going to be interviewing you. Sorry, I'm trying to find it. I was telling her I, I told her I was going to interview you, and I know she's a, a big fan of yours. Uh, where did she put it? Here you go. Uh, sorry, just give me one second. I should have had this prepared. But the reason why I wanted to mention this is because I know that you've spoken about uh, internet uh, orthodoxy, uh, the pros and cons. That was a wonderful podcast you guys did uh, on Buck's uh, uh, Counterflow with Buck Johnson. And I'm going to put that in the show notes because I think it's uh, part one and part two. They're fantastic. And you guys nailed a lot of things. And actually, myself, as someone that wanted to participate in the creative sphere, I had to really think about how I wanted to present all of this. And I found it very effective. And I know that there's pros and cons. And there's a, it's kind of like a bit of an issue in the world of orthodoxy today. And I just wanted to use this as an example where uh, it's a very positive thing. Um, so he sa- she says, uh, yeah, I asked, can I talk about you? Whatever. So first of all, she was, she was raised Muslim. Uh, and then she said, uh, yeah, tell him I was doing tarot card readings all day, every day, like an idiot. Uh, and it was very, it was very much stunting my growth until I came across his channel, uh, that opened my eyes and found, made me reconsider and think of Christ in a different way. Um, he literally saved my life. Uh, she said this one part jokingly, I tried to reach out to him by email, but I think it was too much for him. I had too much, too much info in there. Uh, then she said, uh, what did she say? She said, but, but that actually led her to church that led her to get into the church uh, and actually kind of figure out her way through all of this and kind of find her way to, to, to Christ. And now she's a catechumen and on her oh, way great. and uh, she's doing fantastic. And um, is she, gonna watch this? she most certainly is. Her name is Anissa. She most certainly will be watching. Oh, Anissa, I don't know about the email. Just email me again. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, we'll talk. No problem. Forgive me. No, I totally put that in as a, like, a yeah. It's, it yeah. was kind of like a joke. She was saying it as in a positive way that it actually led her to actually forced her hand to go to church. So she Good. meant it in like a positive way. Um, anyways, uh, so that was one thing I wanted to point out that like actually a lot of the stuff online that we do, uh, you know, discussing the, the faith. Yeah, it, it can lead to a lot of people. I've heard you speak of people who want to kind of attach themselves to orthodoxy because it's very traditional and conservative and all that. And it's kind of almost, almost like an anti-woke thing as opposed mm-hmm. to it being about the faith. But at the same time, there's uh, there's people that uh, definitely are lost and uh, by you know, tuning into a, to, to the Royal path, which is one of my favorite podcasts, most definitely. I'm not just saying, cause you're on here. I've been really pushing that podcast. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's an amazing podcast and it's very down to earth, you know, and it's, it's, you have well, a forgive really me for good- saying this. I mean, um, I just, I don't really care about all that stuff mm-hmm. because as long as God would have me and as, as long as people like you would have me, I'd rather be doing interviews like this and I'll, and I'll tell you why, right? Mm-hmm. Interviews like this, meaning like for your audience, which I'm hoping is mostly non-Orthodox, you yes. know what I mean? Yes. Um, and I'd like to think like I have two parts of me, right? You know, the real path, I do that because I love, I love people, 
Mm-hmm. And I love God's people. And I, I hope this makes sense when I say this. This, I don't, this is kind of weird even talking about yourself, whatever. But I do that because um, I know that people are really hungry for Christ. Yes. They're really hungry for depth. Yes. And, and I know that sounds arrogant, like I'm giving people Christ and giving people depth. But like the one thing I'll say, just I can't. The one thing I'll say about myself is, you know, um, this sounds terrible, but other other outlets will will can give people lots of good information. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell. I, I try to tell people the things that'll keep them in Christ, because that's the thing that people don't understand is that coming to Christ, coming to the church is one thing. Mm-hmm. Staying in the church is a completely different thing. True, and so that's where I'm concerned. I'm concerned about bringing people to Christ. I don't. I don't. I'm not interested in orthodoxy is not an ideology to me. Mm-hmm. I've already been there. It's not an ideology. It's not a scene. It's not whatever it's life. Yeah. Right. I've already, I've already been down that road. Right. So I want people to come to life, come to Christ. And I want them to, you know, I want them to, this is going to creep people out, but I want them to, to know my master. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I yeah. want them to know my master. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the other side of it, like, that's, that, that's why I'm, you know, I hope I didn't ruin the show by getting all, you know, crazy priest guy, but. Oh no, that's exactly what I want. Like I want people who are even almost like if I don't make any sense to you, great, go deeper. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because what do you want to talk about? Like, I, like I get it. Everything from, you know, again, Crowley to the tool to like, whatever, whatever you want to talk about. The reason I'm saying that is because there is a God who loves us, who loves mankind. Yes. And everything that you've been looking for in regards, if it's good and life-giving, it's in him. Mm -hmm. And I want people to to experience that. Right. Yep. And the other side of it is there's a real war over the minds of people. Yeah. And that's, that's the other part of it is, um, you know, I got a vendetta against my old boss. <laughs> you know mm-hmm, what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I so exactly. I think, <laughs> so, so I just say all that because, you know, like with the real path and, and, and whatever I do, I do it. Um, and this hopes of, of reaching people who want something that they can approach. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know what I mean, something that they can, that they can, that they can touch and taste and see that's real Yes, because it's important that people understand um, this isn't just for Greeks, mm-hmm. even though the sign of the church says, you know, St. Demetrius, Greek Orthodox church. Yes. It's not just for Greeks. That's right. And it, it's, it's for people who want truth. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yes. Anyways, forgive the soapbox. I just wanted to throw that out there. You oh, know. no, you shouldn't apologize at all. That's perfect. That's um, really well put. Um, one last, uh, can I ask one last question before we, we head off? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So my, um, one of, um, a uh, good friend of mine, Serbian, uh, Serbian friend of mine, George, who also, um, when I left Toronto, we were kind of on the same page and it wasn't about orthodoxy exactly. He was a little bit more kind of dipping his toes in that direction. But then out of nowhere, we just started talking and we we're like, whoa, we're both on the same like journey, right? Um, so he had a question. He had a question that he's kind of like trying to mull over and trying to figure it out. So I'm definitely going to paraphrase it. So sorry, George. Um, I'll sum it up simply. He's He was describing um, two two uh, ways of dealing with 
uh, issues in life uh, from uh, from the perspective of the the New Testament. One is like a very like light hand handed kind of like uh, be still and no approach, uh, and then the other is like bearing your cross and and, and kind of like struggling. Um, and, and having those dark moments where it takes more effort, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and I know I've experienced that exact same thing, uh, where sometimes it's like a be still a no moment. And then there's grueling, like you're, you're fighting something. So his question is, how do you approach it? Like, how do you use them as tools? Like which way do you turn? He's kind of confused in that way. I totally get it. I totally get it. So, um, the way I teach my spiritual children and it's, the approach that I have is essentially resist, resist, resist. Mm-hmm. And then once you, cause it says in James, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And the fathers tell very clearly that if God's trying to speak to you, something like you get a dream, right. Mm-hmm. Or you get, you know, some sort of great vision. Don't accept it quickly as from God. Take it as it's not from God, resist, resist, resist. And then about that third time, if it's from God, he'll let you know. Because that grueling struggle, that's always at play. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that the tension is the be still, know that I'm God, that comes after the struggle. It's 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 safer to hedge your bets and struggle and resist. Uh-huh. Yeah. And if it's God at that point, he'll reward you for being faithful uh-huh. in that sense of not opening the door to someone who wasn't the voice of your master. Cause if you don't know, it's better to have a disposition of like, Nope, I need to just resist this hold and, and just kind of like slug it out until, until God says, okay, now rest. I see. Right. Does that make, does this, does this make sense? Yeah. You actually gave me goosebumps on that one. That explanation. Um, sorry. Can, can I ask one last question? Cause I, I know you as much as you want. Go ahead. Okay. I feel, uh, I'm going to say something. I feel yeah. really bad about our interview today because I feel mm-hmm. like I just kind of like rambled and didn't oh. make any sense on things. So no, no, no. I, I, I apologize if I didn't give you the opportunity to really get into some of the things that you wanted to talk about. So forgive me. Oh, absolutely not at all. Uh, you actually nailed everything. And you, 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 this is what I wanted. This is like, like I said from the beginning, I wanted to kind of set you up and like let you go because that's one of the beauties of of the royal path. Uh, is like uh, it's like a free flow conversation. It feels like just a bunch of friends sitting in a room. Uh, you know, someone's a priest, the, the catechumens, and all that, and they're just asking questions and just talking. No, no, I, it's exactly what I wanted. So thank you very much. No, absolutely. Um, I don't remember the, the, the saint's name. Um, I wrote it down somewhere, but I, I don't have it in front of me. I heard you speaking about it. I believe it was on, uh, uh on, uh, David Patrick Harry's, um, uh, podcast. I, I believe it was a Russian saint who, um, uh, uh, was praying and, and, uh, a demon came, but he mistook the demon as an angel. Sorry. Saint Nesitas of Novgorod. Yes, 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 yes. Could you, could you, could you, um, Tell us a little bit of that story because I think that uh, it really, it, it really. Uh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Let me let me jump in this right. Yes, yes, yes. Because this is a common thing for a lot of us. Forget everything. If you're scratching your head and it's like this guy's a fool, you're right. I am a fool. Forget everything I've said. Okay, forgive me. Let me say this one thing then. 
there's something about Orthodox spirituality that is only really found in Orthodox spirituality. And that is the, the understanding of what's called prelist. P-R-E-L-E-S-T. Yeah. And prelist is spiritual delusion. Mm-hmm. Right? Because St. Paul says, behold, even the devil comes as an angel of light. Mm-hmm. And we have the best explanation of this in the life of St. Nasitis of Novgorod. St. Nasitis was a, a monk, a monastic, who at one point in time thought he was uh, experienced enough to want to become a hermit. And to become a hermit, to live on your own, is really for like the really advanced. And so his abbot was like, no, like you're not, you're not ready for that. Anyways, Nasitis finds himself in disobedience, and he finds himself asceticizing in, in his, you know, his cave, fasting, staying up all night, praying, you know, trying to become holy. Right. Mm-hmm. And Nesitas only had a copy of the old Testament. So he's, you know, he'd, he'd read he'd pray, he'd fast one night, the, his cave filled with light. Mm-hmm. And an angel appeared to Nesitas and says, Nesitas, you know, God has seen all your works, your struggles, your holiness, what is God, you know, what God wants to know, what would you want from him? Nasita says, I want pure prayer. So the angel says, okay, when I appear at night, you read the scriptures and I'll pray for you and it'll be as your prayer, right? So nights would go by, the angel would appear. He lift his hands in the corner and pray and Nasita would study the scriptures, right? Well, eventually word gets out and Nasita finds himself engaging with the kind of locals and they're like, who's this Holy elder? He he's working miracles. He's he's clairvoyant. He's saying things like, Oh, how does he know this? And word gets back to the abbot and the brethren at his old monastery. And they go and they say like, okay, who's this guy? Who's the new elder in town, whatever. And they see Nesitas and he's doing these things. He's, he's showing clairvoyance. But the trick is the Holy spirit gives the abbot discernment. That Nasitis is only quoting from the Old Testament, never from the never from the New Testament, never from the Gospels. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit shows him, ah, Nasitis is in delusion. He's in prelist. Mm-hmm. Because what had happened was that angel was really a demon mm-hmm. and had mm-hmm. led him into this delusion. And so essentially they grab him, you know, he's brought to repentance and exorcism, all that stuff. And Nasitis is then granted repentance and to become a true miracle worker. He becomes an actual saint and eventually a bishop, right? Um, but that that account is one of many. I mean, our tradition has so many stories of monks being deluded and thinking of the mother of God is speaking to them and mm-hmm. come, you know, come to my chapel, light my, light my lampada, you mm-hmm. know, do this and that. And, you know, the, the monk is being told, don't tell your abbot, don't tell your abbot. Mm-hmm. And then eventually at one point in time, you know, um, the abbot is given word, you know, through the Holy Spirit's like, hey, something's going on with your monk. And the abbot would say, what's going on with you? And he forces the monk to confess, well, the mother of God's been coming to me, this and that. And he, you know, slaps him. And it's like, you fool, you know, like yeah, that's yeah. the devil. He's going to kill you, you know, because yeah. that happens where people, with monks would, you know, walk off the cliffs on Mount Athos and things like that because, the demons are coming to them as angels of light. Mm-hmm. And I say this because I, I personally, not only from my own personal experience, 
but I know people who are, who are still caught up in this where they are being lied to by these spirits, which are giving them certain things mm-hmm. that yep. they think are peace and, and inside and wisdom and power and all this stuff. But it's, it's not of God. Yep. It's a false light. Yep. It's yep. A the false light, light from the, from the, the light bearer. The bill is going to come. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. The bill is going to come, you know? Yeah, I can, I can relate with that personally. I, I've had those moments myself. So I totally, yeah. well, thank you for that. I think that's a, a perfect way to end this. Cause that story kind of encompasses a lot of the, the stuff that I wanted to get into with the, with the whole, the new age deception stuff and all that. So I just say one more so thing. Forgive Absolutely. Me. No, no, no. Keep going. One last thing, just cause I, I, care. I care. Yes, please go. Man, this is going to sound so cheesy. I apologize. <laughs> but, uh, if you're out there and you are engaged in, in various practices mm-hmm. and you're really skeptical, skeptical about what I'm saying, I would just give you a warning. If you struggle with depression, mm-hmm. if you struggle with, with self-pity, dark thoughts, you know, pay close attention to that because, because that depression, that melancholy, mm-hmm. Um, it isn't what you think it is. Mm. It isn't what you think it is. And I would, I would challenge you that if you were to go for, you know, 90 days and say to yourself, I'm going to go, I'm going to go in between Christ, the Christ that's revealed the second person, the Holy Trinity, as he's revealed in the Orthodox church and then whatever practice you're doing and you were to kind of have a showdown, try it for 90 days, see what happened. I guarantee you, yeah. if you, you know, if you're, if you're dealing with ayahuasca, uh-huh. if you're practicing a magic, reading John D, uh-huh. you know, if you're into like whatever you're doing, yeah. if you kind of like go do that and then you begin to, you know, try to find a path towards prayer as it's found in the Orthodox church. Mm-hmm that depression is going to be highlighted. And I would say that depression is a sign. Yep. That depression is a sign that you're, you're messing with something dark and it, and it, and it hates you. Mm. Wow. 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 I, I can relate that, uh, that got me, dude. Sorry, father, that got me. Yeah. I'm new to this. I still blaspheme a bit. Uh, that got me. That's uh, that's extremely true, and um, if if you have a, a second, I wanted to play off of that for a minute because I, yeah. I started one of the things that kind of got me um, looking at orthodoxy a little bit uh, more focused and, and taking it a little bit more seriously was learning, uh, seeing that everything that I was doing in the occult, uh, esoteric uh, uh, occultism, I, was an inversion of everything in orthodoxy, particularly orthodoxy. And then I remember the moment when I, I, I don't know how I didn't know about the Jesus prayer. But uh, like growing up, mm-hmm. you know, I, I didn't know. And, and first of all, it reminded me of my grandfather uh, in Cyprus when I'd gone to see him. He'd always be whispering something. Uh, your papu? And, yeah, my papu. And I, and I said, like, what, what are you saying to yourself? And he said, oh, I'm just saying a little prayer. And I didn't realize until I read the Jesus prayer. He was, he was reciting the Jesus prayer. Because my grandfather, like uh, my namesake. Uh, That's why you're here. You didn't know that? I didn't. I Honestly, didn't. you didn't know that? No. That's how you found your way back. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. No, I did. I do. I did. I'm oh, sorry. I, I misunderstood what you said. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's your papa's oh, prayers. That's what you mean. Oh, 
No, I guess I didn't know that. That's why you're here. That's why you found your way back is your papu's prayers. You just gave me chills, Father. Uh, One of the gifts my mother gave me uh, before coming, or my daughter, she she gave it to my daughter before coming here to Mexico after we left Canada, was a Bible that my grandfather had gifted me, Mm -hmm. and uh, he had written in it. You know what I mean? And I just kind of was like... Forgive me, Father. But uh, I kind of looked at it as, ah, that's kind of cute. You know, I kind of looked at it like that. And then the day when I started thinking, wow, you just blew my mind. That is exactly what that was. Whoa. Sorry. I I just had a moment there. Uh, Wow. Anyways, yeah, that's exactly what that was. Thank you. That uh, means a lot, what you just said there. Wow, you got me. Uh, Anyways, uh, with the Jesus prayer... I realized uh, when I when I learned the prayer and I started saying it in Greek, I started saying it in English, and I started breaking down the words and kind of thinking what yeah. the words mean. Um, I realized, oh, that's an inversion of of uh, the Mahari, the the what is that uh, transcendental meditation? Okay. If if you look at the practice of TM, like transcendental meditation, it's literally the Jesus prayer inverted, like they just repeat a word to get themselves into to like a trance and there is a, a, it is an effective tool. But mm-hmm. then when I started to do the Jesus prayer, I asked my, my church father, which I kind of have, it's, it's a little difficult being in Mexico. Uh, um, and I asked him about like, can I do this with my eyes closed? Like, cause I was thinking, Oh my God, am I meditating? Like, what am I doing here? And his answer was, as long as the, the it's in your heart and your direction is towards Christ, you're not meditating in terms of TM. What you're doing is you're putting your, your noose, you're trying to clarify, cleanse your noose and connect it to your heart and direct it to the right, uh, to the, uh, the, the Pantocratora, mm-hmm. the, 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 the creator, ra- rather than worshiping the creation, you're worshiping the creator. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, wow, you blew my mind. I can't even think straight after you said that. <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, make sure you light a candle for him. Absolutely. And um you know I will. yeah. I will. Good. Uh well well father, um if you have any final things to say as well as please plug anything you're doing. Uh make sure you tell everyone about uh, your amazing podcast and a lot of the great work that you're doing out there. Uh and yeah, I'll I'll give it to you sure. in the last few minutes. Sure. So uh I have a podcast that comes out uh we try to do it once a week, but you know, life is crazy called the real path. Um, please, you know, everyone check it out. Uh, it's an acquired taste. I know <laughs> for some people, you know, it's just, it's too long and too rambly, but that's, it's like that for a reason, you know, because uh-huh. it's, it is, believe it or not, it's like that for a reason. So, um, so you have that podcast there. Um, if you ever find yourself wanting to get baptized, um, please check out, um, St. Mary of Egypt. Um, uh, I think our address is I think it is. It's the parish I'm at at Kansas City where I'm the priest. And uh, we have a monastic community here, um, the convent of the Mother of God, the Seeker of the Lost. And the nuns here make baptismal robes. So we would appreciate any support in regards of uh, if you want a baptismal robe made by some nuns, um, but prayerfully made, you know, and we'd appreciate that support there. Um, and I think other than that, you know, um, maybe, you know, if someone wants to get a hold of me, you know, you can do that through here maybe, or even through the road path. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm always open to, um, you know, be of service if I can, um, because like, this is why I do this. I don't care about, you know, being out there. I just, I want people to, you know, connect with Christ and, um, Anisia. Right? 
Anissa, yeah, Anissa, yeah, good memory. Anissa, I beg your forgiveness, and um, I hope you reach out to me. I'd love to hear what's going on with you. And um, yeah, that's that's about it, you know. Um, and thanks, <laughs> thanks, just thanks for having me. And again, I apologize for being rambly and oh, no. not making sense, you know. Oh no, no, the pleasure is mine. Thank you so very much for being on the show, Father. Um, have yourself a great day. Yeah, thank you so much. Good to see you.